um, miracles in American history. So praise you, Father. Don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes was the order given June 17th. 1775 by Colonel William Prescott. He was commanding the troops on Breed's Hill, adjacent Bunker Hill, which guarded the north entrance of Boston Harbor. Provincially, for the Americans, this, this being the first naval engagement of the war, the British had the wrong size cannonballs on their ships and therefore were unable to effectively bombard the American position. Praise God. <laughs> Does anybody have a throat lozenge, please? I don't know, there could be one up here. Nope, okay. British General William Howe had disembarked, disembarked 2,300 British soldiers and charged them up the hill with bayonets fixed. Twice the Americans repelled them, forcing them back down the hill until the Americans ran out of gunpowder. The, Brit the British then took the hill and burned the nearby, thank you, sweetie, I appreciate it, and burned the nearby town. Hang on of Charleston. In this first action of war, the Continental Army saw over 1,000 British casualties and nearly 500 American deaths. The same day, 300 miles away in Philadelphia, the Centennial Ch Congress drafted George Washington's commission as Commander-in-Chief, for which he refused a salary. Washington wrote to his wife, Martha, Dearest, it has been determined in Congress that the whole army raised for the defense of the American cause shall be put under my care and that it is necessary for me to proceed immediately to Boston to take command. I shall rely therefore confidently on the providence which has hereto for preserved and been bountiful to me. I got Colonel Pendleton to draft a will, the provisions made for you in case of my death will, I hope, be agreeable. General Washington rode to Boston and took command. Shortly after George's providence, Congress passed a motion July 5th, 1775 that this Congress applied to His Excellency, the Governor, requesting him to appoint a day of fasting and prayer throughout the Providence on account of the disputes subsiding between America and the parent state. Wow. On July 7, 1775, George's Providence Providential Governor replied, Gentlemen, I have taken the request made by a provin provincial Congress and must premise that I cannot consider that meeting as a constitutional, but as a request is expressed in such a loyal and dutiful terms and the ends proposed being such as every good man must be ardently wished for. I will certainly appoint a day of fasting and prayer to be observed throughout this providence. Jazz, the, the jazz period right of the Continental Congress passing a day of public humiliation, fasting prayer, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, July 12, 1775. We have appointed a con continental fast, millions will be upon their knees at once before this great creator imploring his forgiveness and blessing. 
his smiles on America Council in arms on July 1775, 19th, July 1775, the journals of the Continental Congress recorded, agreed that the Congress meet here tomorrow morning at half after nine o'clock in order to attend divine service at Mr. Duchy's church and that in the afternoon they meet here to go from this place and attend divine service at Dr. Allison's church. As the Revolutionary War began, Connecticut Governor Jonathan Trumbull wrote to General George Washington July 13, 1776, 5, 1775, I'm sorry. The Honorable Congress have, have proclaimed a fast to be observed by the inhabitants of all English colonies on this continent to stand before the Lord in one day with public humiliation, fasting and prayer to deplore our many sins, to offer up our joint supplications to God, to have appointed you to the high station you possess, the supreme director of all events, hath caused a wonderful union of hearts and counsels to subsist among us. Now, therefore, be strong and very courageous. May the God of the armies of Israel shower down the blessings of his divine providence on you, give you wisdom and fortified, cover your head and fortitude, I'm sorry, cover your head in the day of battle and danger, add success, convince our army, our enemies of their mistaken measures. Hallelujah. Here you go. I'm sorry. I hadn't read it until this morning. All of them fasted and prayed. It's amazing. And we see what God did. Did we unplug? us to turn to 2 Corinthians 4.13 really quick. I'm going to be teaching on confession this morning, confessing the word and how important that word is to us as we confess his word, the things that take place in the spirit realm for us, not only in the spirit realm, but physically. So in 2 Corinthians 4.13. I'm getting there. God is faithful. Second Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Verse 13 in the Amplified, yet yeah, we have the same spirit of faith as he who, who wrote, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. Thank God. As we speak forth the word of God, it's like Jesus speaking. How many realize that? I hope you all said amen to that one. Because our words are powerful as long as we're speaking the word of God. If we're, not, if we're not studying the word, if we're not speaking the word, we have, I don't really want to hear what's coming out of someone's mouth if they're not studying the word of God. I'm going to be very honest with you. I had someone tell me the other day that they don't want anybody praying for them unless they know them. I've had many people tell me that. 
And um, it's the truth. You don't know what hands are touching you. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what they believe. Unless you know what a person believes and what their life is like, their spiritual life is like, I don't want any part of it. So I've always been very particular in that area. Okay. Our Bible texts this morning are Mark 16, 15 through 20, Isaiah 41, 10, Psalms 119, 28, and 130, and Mark 11, 23. So Mark 16, 15 will be our first. It is always possible to tell if a person is believing right by what he says. If his confession is wrong, his believing is wrong. If his believing is wrong, his thinking is wrong. If his thinking is wrong, it's because his mind has not been renewed with the word of God. His mind might have been, his or hers might have been renewed years ago, months ago, whatever. But it's what we feed ourselves. You know, when we start feeding ourselves other stuff, we have to get that out of us ASAP. You know, it's, it's so important. And I can't, I can't even explain to you how important. Our mind is like a magnet. And it just picks up things. That's why Jesus said, watch what you hear. Watch what you hear. Watch what you look, make, watch what you're looking at. Because those are the things when it comes time, when tests and trials come on the scene, it's very hard to cast down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, if your mind has been somewhere else and has been polluted by something else. That's why, <clears throat> Mary, you in school, you've got to watch what you hear. You know that. I'm sure you've heard some real wild things. Am I correct? I mean, when you're in the Word... And, and studying the Word of God, and you hear some, someone say something that is so far out, you automatically just, just kind of want to get rid of it. I've actually gotten out of meeting. I've literally left a meeting because I did not want to fill myself with the unbelief that was being spoken. And so... Was that rude? No, it was self-preservation. You're the only one. You are the only person that has control over your mind. No one else does. No one else has control over it. You do. So, all three, believing, thinking, and saying, go together. God has given us his word to get our thinking straightened out. We can think in line of God's word. We have the right to think in line of God's word. That's what he wants us to do. When we got born again, our spirit was born again. Our soul and our body did not get born again. So we have to renew our mind with the water of the washing of the word. In other words, our mind needs to be washed. Okay, your soul is your mind, will, emotions, and your intellect. If, if your mind has not been washed, or my mind, by the renewing of the word, our soul and our intellect, our, our soul is our mind, will, emotions, and intellect. Our emotions, our intellect, they're going to be screwed up in areas unless we are lined up with the word by the washing of the word in our mind. Amen? Amen. And we need to really understand this in the time that we live in because there is so much lying going on out there. Okay? Everybody's trying to, to 
cover themselves. And so the way they do that is to lie or fudge or they'll say a little white lie is not bad. Every lie is bad. The Bible said all liars will go to hell. And if you're not in the word and we're not meditating upon the word, we are not going to be able to discern when someone is lying or telling the truth. I'm, I'm just telling you honestly. I thank God for Brother Hagen because he literally pretty much pounded these things in us. And when the Lord said the gave the vision for this year, one of them was go back to basics and teach them like you've never taught them before so people will understand they have they are building themselves upon the rock, the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Okay? So here we go. In the studies on the subject of confession, we have dealt with three types of confession. The confession of sins of the Jews, the confession of the sinner today, and the confession of the believer who is out of fellowship with God. In this lesson today, we will discuss the confession of our faith in God's word. Our confession of our faith in God's word. In the previous lesson, I, I mentioned whenever the word confession is used, we instinctively think of sin and failure. But that is the negative side. It is important that in its place, of course, it does have a place but there is a positive side, and the Bible has more to say about the positive than the negative. <clears throat> God is, Jesus was positive. God is positive. He cannot think negatively. He just can't. He doesn't. He sees you as perfect. Thank God Jesus is on the right hand of God interceding for us continually. So when the devil tries to tell you that you're nothing or you failed it or you blew it or it's never going to take place, he's a liar. And the Bible says he is the father of lies. Amen. Amen. And so God hates lying because he knows that the devil is the father of lies and that he's here on the earth trying to get us not to line our lives up with the word of God because he knows when we line ourselves up with the word of God that we will speak the truth and the truth will be in us and that's what will the truth will dwell in us and that's all we will desire to speak amen so that's our goal that is our goal, that we desire to have the truth in us and we speak forth the truth, which is the word of God. So confession's five parts. Confession is affirming something we believe. It is testifying to something we know. So it's affirming something we believe and it is testifying of something we know. It is witnessing for a truth we have embraced. So I'm going to say this again, and I hope you're taking notes so you clearly can go back to them and understand this, because it's very important. Okay? Confession is affirming something we believe. It is testifying to something we know. It is witnessing for a truth we have embraced. Our confession should be centered around five things. Are you ready? Number one, what God in Christ has wrought for us in his plan of redemption. This, our confession should center around these five things. That's pretty simple. You've got five things. It's, the plumb line is the word, but if you have these five things, to remember and understand and use when you're confessing something, then you'll be in line with the word of God. And you'll see the miracles that God has promised us we will see. Amen? 
So what God in Christ Jesus has wrought for us in his plan of redemption. Two, what God through the word and the Holy Spirit has wrought for us in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that one again. If you're trying to go to sleep, slap yourself. What God through the word and the Holy Spirit has wrought in us in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Number three, what we are to God the Father in Christ Jesus. Now remember, confession has five parts, and our confession should center around these five things. Number four, what Jesus is doing for us now at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. And number five, what God can do through us or what his word can do through our lips. What God can do through us and what his word can do through our lips. So we either speak forth the word of God because there's only, there's only two voices in the world. You've got God and you've got Satan. And we're going to line up to whatever we meditate, excuse me, meditate on or listen to. And this is why it's so very important. The word has got to be number one in our life. So in Mark 16, 15 through 20. You know, one of the first things when someone's going through something and I have time to sit down with them and counsel them, I ask them is, where are you in the word? And how much attention are you giving to the word continually? Okay. So Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news of the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes, who adheres to, and trusts in, and relies on the gospel of him who it sets forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to and trust in and rely on the gospel, and him whom it sets forth will be condemned. That's pretty heavy. I'm reading out of the Amplified. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went about and preached everywhere, while the Lord kept working with them and confirming his word by attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen, so be it. So his desire is for us to speak forth his word, go out and speak the word everywhere, and the Lord will keep working with you and confirming his word by attesting signs and miracles that, that accompany it. So when we get to the place where everything in, in our thought life and in our words are the word of God, we will see a change even if a person is thousands of miles away. What we speak over a person and what we pray over a person and what we confess over a person is very important. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
and we will eat the fruit of it. And we have to remember that. Like Pastor said this morning, there, like he said, there were a lot of prayer requests for a lot of people. This might be the only prayer that some of them will ever get. And, it's, and if you put that prayer request in, then it's up to you to continue praying for that person. Not speaking their problem, but speaking their answer. And that's, that's where most of us get into trouble. We speak the problem too much, not the answer. Once you've prayed for the problem, then we need to speak the answer. And we've all been guilty of it. God is trying to teach us. He's taking us from very basic, clear up to where we see the signs and wonders. We see like Reinhard Bonk he did in Africa and different places where he went. Everywhere he went, millions were saved. People were healed. They were set free. That's what God desires here in America. And I remember Brother Hagen talking about a remnant, remnant of Word of Faith people would be praying and turning this around. Well, this is the hour. This is the hour. We have a Christian in the White House. We need to back him. We need to speak forth the word of God. Amen. Okay, so God's word through us will be his word. God's works through us by his word through our lips. Jesus said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the way God works through us. We carry the word to the lost. If we do not carry the word to the world, then we waste our time praying for God to do something. I want to get this. I want us to understand this because this is the truth. You might be working with people that are in cults and you're afraid to say something. Well, the Lord told me long ago, don't be afraid to tell these people or the lost something, whether they end up liking you or not. They're pro if they get saved, they're going to love you. You'll be their best friend outside of Jesus. But if they don't get saved, you know, a lot of people are having people that they knew just die. It's really sad. I went to get my nails done on Friday and the gal that owns the shop, thank God she was a Christian. She was only 50 years old. Only 50 years old. She had cancer, did not know the word, did not go to a church that taught the word of faith, did, did not understand who she was in Jesus Christ and what he had done for her. She died of 50 years old. I remember the Saturday when I went in to get my nails done, and, and it wasn't that long ago. They had brought her in so they could have lunch with her and celebrate. I don't know if it was her birthday or what. And I remember seeing her. She had a daughter that was pregnant. Thank God she got to see her new grandchild. But she died too soon. Fifty years old is too soon. Thank, like I said, thank God she was a Christian. But that is too soon. Is there anybody here that's 50? Yeah, right. Whitney, you're 50 this year. That's too soon. 50 years old. That is way too early for anybody to die. I mean, that's, you're in the prime of your life right now. Thank God. Seriously. But that's the mindset of so many people. Okay, I didn't mean to use her, but I wanted to use an example. Look at Whitney. When you see her, don't turn around and look at her now. I mean, look how great she looks. She's not going to die of cancer. I can tell you that. She's going to keep enjoying life to the fullness. Because why? Because she knows the word. She has the word in her. She has the word working mightily in her. Greater is he, the word that is in her, than he that is in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we carry the word to the lost. If we do not carry the word, 
the word to the world, then we waste our time praying for God to do something. In other words, it would be useless to pray for someone who is lost if we do not carry the gospel of salvation to him or her. If you bring in a prayer request and you know the person, then you, it is your duty to talk to them about Jesus. And why be embarrassed of talking about Jesus? He is your favorite person. He's the one that set you free. Thank God. If, if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here. None of us probably would. But people are just dying off, and unfortunately, they don't know the Lord. Many that know the Lord are also. This isn't God's plan. He wants you to have long, healthy lives. Praise God. Joyful lives. To be able to laugh and have fun. Amen? If we could just pray and get people saved, we wouldn't have to send missionaries all over the world. We could just pray all the brethren into the kingdom. However, the Holy Spirit works only in connection with the word. The Holy Spirit, you might want to write this down. The Holy Spirit works only in connection with with the word. In obedience to Christ's command to go into all the word and world and preach, the disciples went forth preaching the word everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. God didn't do a thing until the disciples preached the word, then the signs followed. I want us to understand this. Until they went out and started preaching the word, God didn't do anything. The first thing he had them do was go and pray, go to an upper room and pray until they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that day they started preaching the word of God because they had power that had come upon them. And once they started, you could not shut them up. It's, it's said, I've never done a study on it, that Thomas went to India. If Thomas went to India, India is a very dark nation. Somebody there did not keep up with it. When you think about it, I'll have to check that, but that's what I've heard and taught many times. In obedience to Christ's command to go into the world and preach, the disciples went forth preaching the word everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. God didn't do a thing until the disciples preached the word, then signs followed. So, you pray a prayer for someone, maybe their neighbors or whatever, but you've got to go preach for them also. Preach to them. You've got to talk to them. The Bible says, how will they know unless they have a preacher? Well, you might not be a five-fold ministry ordained minister, but it is your job to go forth and preach the word to every person. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Okay. What the Lord has shown us, or me, pastor also, I believe, um, is that Brother Hagen used to talk about this. He talked about a church that, that he had gotten into, and, and he couldn't figure out why there were not signs following. And the Lord talked to him and said, you've allowed the word to become diluted with people's beliefs and um, opinions and traditions. But as we begin to preach more and more, 
the undiluted word of God, we will begin to see signs following. The more word we preach, the more signs will follow. I want you to know that. The more word that you speak forth and that you preach, the more you will see signs following your life. Hallelujah. I'm expecting to see God move in, in each one of our lives and signs following. God moves only in line with his word. He has magnified his word above his name. And we cannot expect to get help from God if we are taking sides against his word. I'm going to say this again. We cannot expect to get help from God if we are taking sides against his word, even though it may be an unconscious act on our part. We should treat the word of God with the same reverence we, sh we would show to Jesus if he were present in the natural. If Jesus was sitting here on the front row, how would you reverence him? What would you do when you went to talk to him after the service? You would reverence him. You would love him. You would do anything that you could. That is how we are to treat the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was and is God. And that's how we are to treat this word. You know, the Bible says the life, we have the life of God in us. Praise you, Jesus. So I'm going to say this one again. God moves only in line with his word. He has magnified his word above his name. And we cannot expect to get help from God if we are taking sides against his word, even though it may be an unconscious act on our part. We should treat the word of God with the same reverence we would show to Jesus if he were present in the natural. You know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the word of the Lord. Our delight is in the word of the Lord. You say, well, I work with these people all day long. Tell them about Jesus on your break. Confession dispels fear. Isaiah 41.10. You say, how do I get rid of fear? Well, we know that fear is a spirit. God has not given you or I a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Confession dispels fear. So, if you come on a scene and people are fearful, what do you need to do? Start speaking forth what the word says. Okay, forty-one ten. Fear not. There is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties and I will help you yes I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice hallelujah in the King James it says fear thou not for I am with thee be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen thee yea I will help thee Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So, we don't need to fear. 
It's a done deal. I'm with you. Notice, do not look around you in terror and be dismayed. You know, remember what he said, watch what you look at. Do not look around. Do you remember when Peter went in and they had called him because Dorcas had died? And he went in and he didn't look at her. They wanted to show him all the stuff she'd made. He didn't care. Don't be showing any man a bunch of dresses or whatever. They could care less. But he knew that he had a job to do. He didn't even look at her. He went over and knelt down and prayed. And when he knew he was ready, he, he turned to her and said, Rise up. And she rose up from the dead. And that started a great revival. Amen. So we're not. Have you ever noticed in reading the Bible how many times God told his children, fear not? Fear not. When Jairus sought Jesus to heal his daughter, the Lord said to him, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole in Luke eight fifty. When Jesus was preaching to his disciples, he said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's look at these two. Luke 8, 50. You might want to underline them, and you might want to speak these things out if you have any fear. You need to look through all the fear scriptures and start speaking them. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Why fear? There's nothing the devil can do to you. Even if you were to pass away, if I pass away on the spot, you're going to heaven if you know Jesus. And there's no greater place than heaven. That's, that's the place that every one of us are trying to get to. I do not believe anybody should have an early death, though. Luke 8:50. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not be seized with, seized with alarm or struck with fear. Don't be struck with fear. That's amazing. Do not be struck with fear. How many have ever felt fear try to strike you? But simply believe in me as able to do this, and she shall be made whole. And she was. When he got to her house, people were, you know, they used to hire paid mourners in those days, and they were all there whining and carrying on. That must have been a profession that every he'd really want. And he, he threw them out of the house. <laughs> they laughed him to scorn. They laughed Jesus to scorn. They had no respect these paid mourners at all. And what does he do in verse 55 uh, or 54? It says in 53, they laughed him to scorn, knowing full well that the child was dead. And grasping her hand, he called, saying, Child, arise from the sleep of death. And her spirit returned from death and she arose immediately, and he directed that she be given something to eat, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had occurred. You know, if you see the dead raised in your ministry, you don't need to be telling everybody. You understand what I'm saying? Too many people are start imagining things 
I mean, there's a lot of people out there imagining things. It's not, it does not line up with the word. But healing lines up with the word. Fear not lines up with the word. Do not be overtaken with fear. Let's look at the next one, Luke 12, 32. Jesus was constantly telling them, fear not. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Well, then who gave it? The devil. The Bible says the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Okay, Luke 12.32. Do not be seized with fear and alarm. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, this would go over real good in the church today. Sell what you possess and give donations to the poor. Provide yourself with purses and handbags. And do not, that do not grow old and unfailing and inexhaustible treasures in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Keep your loins girded with your, and your lamps burning and be like men who are wearing, waiting for their master to return home after the marriage feast so that when he returns from the wedding and comes and knocks, they may be open to him immediately. In 31, it says, Only aim to strive for and seek his kingdom and all these things will be supplied to you do not be seized for 32 with alarm and struck with fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom think of that God has good pleasure in something. I want it. <laughs> if God had just said, don't be afraid, and had left us there, we might say, but I can't help being afraid. But not only did he say, fear not, he also said, I am with you. In Genesis 26, 24, look at this. I am with you. Fear not. I am with you. How powerful. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and, and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. And will favor you with blessings and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Hallelujah. And the Lord appeared unto them the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Hallelujah. God does not want you to fear. If he had just said, don't be afraid and left us there, we might say, but I can't help it. But he said, I am with thee. Can we really believe he is with us and still be afraid? No. If we are afraid, it is because we are doubting him. But someone might say, I am so weak. God said, I will strengthen thee. But I am so helpless. Someone else might say, God said, I will uphold thee. So he takes care of someone that feels like they're weak. He says, I will strengthen thee. Or helpless. 
I will uphold thee. In Psalms 119, 28 and 130, let's turn there. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. He said, strengthen me according to thy word. If we do not know what the word says, how can we be strengthened? This is why it is so important to know the word of God. Everything that, everything that we need to get through this world on our journey through here is in the Word of God. Everything. There's nothing missing. He didn't leave anything out. And that's the neat part. Nothing has been left out. We have to dig and find it. You can't expect someone else to dig and find it for you. I mean, it's very important that you be at every service because the service that you miss might be the service that the Word of God that you needed will come out. I guarantee you, I've had people call me the very next day and I'll say, you know what, you need to get the tape or go online because it's the very exact thing that I taught on. It's disheartening. 28. Alms 119, 28. My life dissolves and weeps itself away for heaviness. Raise me up and strengthen me according to the promises of your word. To the, raise me up according to the promises of your word. Thank you, Jesus. That's verse 28. My soul melted for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to the word in psalm in psalms 119 130 it says if you have bible on your ipad or whatever it's this is a real good psalm to listen to and read 130 Psalms, well, just went Psalms 130, I'm sorry. Psalms 119, verse 130. The entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. That's pretty easy, isn't it? The entrance of thy words giveth light. It gives understanding unto the simple. The, just the entrance of his word gives you life. That's powerful. It gives light. When you open the word, light comes. Light comes to dispel everything that the enemy has tried to put in you or on you. It is true that in ourselves we might be weak and helpless, burdened down in cares and problems, but in our weaknesses we look to his word for strength. For the entrance of thy words give life and giveth understanding to the simple. Our confession can be, God is with me. We can say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's in 1 John 4, 4. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Romans 8.31. Those three right there. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world is in 1 John 4.4. 4. The entrance of thy words giveth life. That was Psalms 119.130. And Romans 8.31, if God be for me, who can be against me? 
And 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You may be facing some problems that seem impossible. Instead of talking about how impossible it is, look to him who is inside you and say, God is in me now. You'll find your confession of faith will cause him to work in your behalf. He will rise up in you and give you success. We have to speak the word to get him to rise up inside of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes the word, us speaking the word, and he moves. But we've got to speak it. Peter bid, Jesus was out there and walking on water, and Peter said, bid me to come. And, and Jesus said, come. So he stepped out of the boat and started moving. That's what we have to do with the word. God, your word says this, I'm going to step out on it. I'm going to move out on it. It's fun to be peculiar, okay? <laughs> you may be facing some problems that seem impossible. Instead of talking about how impossible it is, look to him who is inside you and say, God is in me, and you'll find your confession of faith will cause him to work in your behalf. He will rise up in you and give you success. The master of creation is in you. Amen. Think of this. He who created everything is in us. Amen. There's no place I can stop right now or I would, okay? You can face life fearlessly because you know that greater is he who's in you than any forces that may be arrayed against you. How many have had forces arrayed against you? This should be your continual confession. Confession increases faith. Confession increases faith. The more you confess the word, the more your faith is increased. You know, we've all been given the measure of faith. Well, confession increases. Confessing the word increases the faith that God has given you. Can you write a little note that I stopped on confession? Increases faith. Thank you. I'm going to read just this little bit and then pastor can prepare for communion. There is no faith without confession. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. Write this down, please. You're going to need this. Life is just not going to just, just go on by like it has been. I'm going to tell you. We are in a we are in a spiritual war and we need the word in our lives. We need confession in our lives. I'm just telling you, I cannot, I could sit here and cry before you and tell you the things that God has shown me. If we do not as a body rise up to all that we've been taught, that you'll pass through it. Because you know the word, but there are those out there that don't. And there are those that are being sucked into other things right this second. And so, please, if you ever believed one thing I've told you, believe this. There is no faith without confession. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. The faith, like love, is of the heart, of the spirit. And we know there is no love without word or action. We cannot reason love into people who can, nor can we reason love out of them. 
It is of the heart as faith too is of the spirit or heart. We can safely say that there is no faith without confession. Faith grows with confession. Please write this down. Faith grows with confession just as doubt grows with confession. When you start speaking doubt over a situation, it grows. It's like a weed. You can either have beautiful flowers in your garden or you can have weeds. And your confession, faith in whatever you're believing for, the negativity or the positive is what you're going to get. As faith, too, is of the spirit of heart, we can safely say that there is no faith without confession. Faith grows with confession. The confession of the believer does several things for him. First, it locates him. Second, it fixes the landmarks of his life. And he will never have more than his confession. I will read this again. And then we're going to do communion. Pardon? As Christine's going to sing during communion. So I think what we'll do, Pastor will go ahead and read the scripture. And then as she's singing, if you want to come up and get your communion. But I want to get these last... The confession of the believer does several things for him. First, it locates him. Second, it fixes the landmarks of his life. Third, he will never have more than his confession. Father, I have taught what you've asked me to teach today. My desire that this word, this seed, has fallen on good, open soil that has been fertilized and prepared for this word. I thank you, Lord, that we are going to see you exploding in our lives in such a way that there will be a revival in each person's life and a boldness will come forth that will bring signs and wonders in the things that they've been believing for. And as we prepare to take communion, Father, reveal to us by your Holy Spirit areas where we've missed it so we can get it under your blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and read the scripture, okay? You want my... In 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, Paul writes, beginning with verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as for as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink that cup. Okay, so we are bringing to remembrance what the Lord 
accomplished for us so many years ago that uh, through his body, through the bread, it shows that uh, the bruises and stripes that were upon his body for our healing. And then, of course, the, the cup demonstrates the new covenant, the new testament, that of, be, of us being blood washed. So when we receive, uh, we just, she wants us to, uh, I'll just open up the uh, emblems and you'll come up forward and as uh, Christine sings. <laughs> 